There's a lot of people here. Man. Praise God for that. And uh, I want to pray for us. And I just want us to jump right into Acts chapter 1, uh, uh, 6 through 11. And so let me just pray that God's spirit would just lead us today. And then we'll learn more about him uh, right now. God in heaven, I want to thank you for bringing us to this place at this time. It's amazing. You know exactly what you're doing. So we pause and just want to thank you that you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing in our lives through the tough times and bad times. You know what you're doing in our church. And so I want to thank you for the movement of disciple making at our church. And I want to recognize that that's because of you. And I want to thank you for that. I just ask that as we open up the Bible today and we talk about um, open faith and what that means as one of our core values that God, that you would inspire us, you would challenge us. But Lord, simply that this would not just be a pep rally, but that Lord, that your spirit would really do work in our lives, that we would live in such a way with an open faith that we truly believe that you can save people and that you do save people. And that you can use us to communicate great truth about who you are. So Lord, thank you again for White Oak Elementary School and for allowing us to be at this place this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Every single one of us in our lives has been able to put on a button-down shirt. And I believe in, I don't think this is a hasty generalization, We've been able to do that and button the shirt the wrong way. So if you, you know, sometimes you can get the first button in the second hole, and then maybe sometimes you can get the collar button in the first hole, and then it's all jacked up, right? It just doesn't look right. What we've been trying to do over the last eight weeks is begin that you and I are created in the image of God. We are men and women created in the image of God. And before we can be disciple makers or a disciple, we have to realize that that's the first button. And everything else flows from that. We are men and women made in the image of God and God determines and decides what we should be about. The scripture tells us that we should be about, we should be disciples. We have said that disciples are people that are learning to learn, to trust, love, and obey Jesus. To trust, love, and obey Jesus and helping others to do that. And in continuing the last, the last four weeks, we've been taking a look at our core values. So if we're disciples making disciples, we want to make sure that this is what our lives look like, that we are living lives with an open Bible. We are doing inductive Bible study. We are reading the scriptures and that we're quoting more of Jesus and less of our pastors and authors that we might read, but that we're quoting him more. And then we've taken a look last week where we want to live an open life. And then this week, we're going to take a look at what it means to live with an open faith as one of our core values. 
How in the world can God use us where we live, work, and play to communicate clearly the greatest message in all of the world? How does that take place? What does that look like? In Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11, I think it sort of gives us a really good picture of our marching orders combined with Matthew 28 to do that. Before, I, before we get into the text, in 1997, I had to go to a, uh, a lab to get blood drawn. I'm a type 1 diabetic, and that's a normal thing for me to do. So I went to this lab to get my blood work done, and I was sitting down at the, the, the little place where the nurse comes over, but she was working on a patient on, across the aisle from me. So I was like sitting here and just right where Parker's sitting there, there she is. And I looked at this lady who was getting her blood taken, and I was like, oh my gosh, I know who that is. That is Anne Graham Lotz. Like, some of you just went, oh. Like, Anne Graham, as in like Billy Graham's daughter. I'm in seminary. I am learning how to share my faith. And I'm looking across the aisle, this little lab, at perhaps one of the greatest evangelists of all time, Anne Graham Lotz. The nurse is talking to her, and I was like, I, I've got to say something to her. That shocks you, I know. <laughs> so I've got to talk to her. I just, I just need to say something to Anne Graham Lotz. And I just, so she stood up and, and got her paperwork, and I said, Miss Lotz. She said, yes. I said, my name is Matt Rice, and I just wanted to say thank you for all you have done for the cause of the gospel, for getting the gospel message out. The gospel is good news. And I just want to thank you for all you and your family have done. Well, oh my gosh, we became best friends right there. <laughs> we just had a great conversation and we started talking. And I have to tell you that I was fired up after talking to her and it was my turn to get my blood taken to do this course. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell this lady right now about everything about Jesus. She ties this thing on my bicep, you know, and she comes ready. She goes, sticks this needle right here in my arm. Sorry if you're going to pass out. And she goes in there and I said, I need to ask you a question. Has anybody ever told you how much Jesus loves you? And she says, that's actually crazy. That lady that just left here told me the same thing. <laughs> I'm going, I said, let me ask you a question. Do you know who that was? No. I said, that's Anne Graham Lotz. That's like Billy Graham's daughter. She says, my pastor is going to freak out. <laughs> I took Billy Graham's daughter's blood. And she said, oh, 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 I need to tell you, to answer your question, yes, somebody has told me that. My life was a mess. And somebody told me about Jesus. And he's changed my life. So to answer your question, yeah, somebody has told me. I left that day and I was like, Ann Graham Lotz, where have I seen her? At crusades and revivals and on TV. And here she is in a lab across, the, I mean, with a lady that's drawing blood from her. And she's just looking her in the face and says, has anybody ever told you about King Jesus? And I noticed something really important that day. It was a lifestyle 
It wasn't a, a, a memorized approach. It was a lifestyle of an open faith. And from really, that day marked me in a very, very powerful way that I don't want to just have a memorized outline that I share with someone, but that, that God, would you allow it to be part of my life? That asking people and challenging people that don't know Jesus to, to know Jesus. And, and really, I learned that that day. And that's what I think what we must continue to learn as disciples who are making disciples. That a key is that when we open the Bible, we learn about who he is. When we open the Bible, we learn about the boldness of the disciples, how their faith was open, their faith was public and not private. And, and that's what being living with an open faith is. It's living as, as a true testament that our faith is, is um, personal, but it is not private. Our faith is personal, but it's not private. Um, the disciples were committed to not keeping their faith quiet. And I need to know, let you know, I'm glad they were not quiet. Because if you want to trace it back, you can go all the way back to the disciples that the reason for you and I know King Jesus, and we're gathering in here on a Sunday, is because they were not quiet about the message that they were given. And I'm grateful for that. And if we take a look at our values, an open Bible, an open life, and an open faith, maybe and perhaps this one is the most daunting to you. And I'm praying that God would not use this morning in our lesson simply just as a pep rally to run out there, but, but really to, to, to evaluate how can I allow this principle to be a lifestyle? How can I learn questions to ask and engage people? How can I not be afraid of their questions or be afraid of not knowing the answer to their questions? And so in Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11, it, this is what's taking place. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus was resurrected. Amen, it's Easter, right? That's what we say every day. Jesus was resurrected. He appeared before the disciples for 40 days, and he was telling them, I do not, know, I do not want you to leave Jerusalem. I want you to stay in Jerusalem, because here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. That's probably pretty confusing to them, because the Holy Spirit was there always, but did not indwell them permanently. And so things were getting ready to change drastically. And that's where the book of Acts picks it up and says, hey, we're going into the church age and we're going into learning about how the Holy Spirit operates and how the Holy Spirit indwells his believers to do the mission that God's called us to do. And so here we are, we find out and we'll pick it up in verse six. We'll read a little bit and then talk and read a little bit and talk. And then there's some three um, lessons at the end, okay? So verse six, this is what it says. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? 
you understand that they are under severe Roman persecution. Roman persecution. They're leading everything. And they're like, listen, God, what we want you to do is we want you to demonstrate your power and free, um, free us from this Roman oppression. They had unbelievable power for almost 1,500 years. And we need you to demonstrate your power and set up this earthly kingdom and listen, make it all right. Well, that's sort of what they're wanting. So what they were planning was Jesus be the hero and come in and set up this earthly kingdom. And they wanted him to demonstrate his power. So verse 7 says, he said to them, it is not time for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed for his own authority. I get the feeling that Jesus just treated them like a five-year-old asking about Christmas or how long we're going to get there. He said, not yet, okay? Just, just that's not your business. Just keep going. Um, but then he goes to verse 8, and in verse 8, he talks about what their business should be about. That's where we're going to camp out. I'm going to read this first, the rest of the text, and we'll come back to verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so in verse 9, it says, And when they had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Verse 10, and while they were gazing into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Then Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so here's, we, here's where we take a look. We know that Jesus is going to come back, but here's what we have right now. In Matthew 28, we have Jesus telling us to go into the world, to baptize and to teach and we have a reminder, and lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And so here's a couple of things that we learn about open faith. Here's number one. The number one thing that we learn about open faith, open faith means that we live in the power of God. Open faith means that we live in the power of God. See, here's what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to demonstrate his power by setting up an earthly kingdom. And Jesus had a better plan. I'm not going to come and demonstrate my power necessarily. I'm going to come give you my power. Don't forget that. I'm not going to demonstrate my power like you want me to, but I'm going to demonstrate my power by giving you power. Verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, and those of us that have grown up in church, the Trinity oftentimes is seen as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Bible. We get a little scared of the Holy Spirit because that's for the Pentecostals. But we must understand that apart from God's Spirit, living and working in us, we have nothing good to say. It is sharing Jesus with an open faith, sharing Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and then giving God, the, just letting, leaving the results to the Lord. Leaving the results to the Lord. Matthew 28 says, and lo, I will be with you always to the end of the age. How is Jesus in that statement in Matthew how is he going to be with us always to the end of the age? Acts chapter 1 says exactly how, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we say yes to Jesus, I am a sinner and I can't do anything about it. I need your help. 
The Holy Spirit comes into our life to illumine our lives, to give us power in our words that we say, to remind us and secure us in our salvation. And here's what he says. I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age, which is also what he said to Joshua we learned two weeks ago. And how is that possible? It's possible by the Holy Spirit coming to indwell in us the moment we say yes to Jesus for salvation. That's how it takes place, through the power of the Spirit. I, um, I had the opportunity recently, got a call from a friend. Don't really want to embarrass him. Let's just say his name is AJ. Okay, um, and, and he, he called me, I don't want to embarrass, anyway, so, so he called me up and he's like, listen, man, I'm, I'm witnessing this guy and I, I, I just think we need to meet him for lunch. And I'm like, okay, let, let's go meet him for lunch. And so we're sitting outside at Town Hall Burgers, this is like a month ago, and we're sitting outside and AJ's on one side and I'm here and, and, and this this guy's on this side, and he's just like, I just can't get over. I can see you, and I can, I can see AJ, and I can hear you, but I can't see him. I can't see God. And on the way over there, AJ and I were praying, God, give us something in the power of your spirit to say that might resonate with him. Please give me something, not in my flesh, but in my spirit. And I just looked at him, and I was like, oh my gosh, where did this come from? Can you breathe? Well, yeah, I can breathe. And I'm like, those trees that are around you right now are a filtration system that allow you and I to breathe. That building has a builder, but you can't see the builder. The creation has a creator. And AJ and I are here to tell you, his name is God who revealed himself through Jesus. He was like, huh. What I'm trying to tell you right now it's that when you ask God to give you the power of his spirit to be able to talk and be able to talk on his behalf, be able to resonate, he will give that to you. I, I, I went to a, a funeral on Monday. I got to tell you something. I was completely blown away by a, by a daughter and a son speaking words about their dad who is in heaven. But I was blown away by the power of the gospel, the power of God in them, in those two, while they were speaking at the funeral of their deceased father. The words were incredibly powerful. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from us. It comes when we as disciples who are making disciples say, God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would your spirit come in and give me the words to say? And what we say, there's an anointing on our words that comes out that it's not us, it's him. And when we live in an, with an open faith, what are we living like? We are living, we're living in open faith. It means that we live in the power of God. We live in the power of God. I don't want you to miss that. Because it says here, hey, you're not going to be witnesses right now. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will be my witnesses. You will have power and be my witnesses. So an open faith means that we're resting, we're depending, we're trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do a massive work as we communicate the gospel to those that we are around. Acts chapter 4 verse 38, they were arrested and told, you better stop preaching Jesus. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and it says, they were told, you got to stop preaching Jesus, 
And they retreated back to 120 and they started praying. And here's what happened. And when they had prayed in the place that they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. See what takes place in open faith. What's critical for that is that we would rely on the spirit of God as we speak the words of God. I, I know maybe, maybe an open faith, number two, an open faith means that we simply tell others what we have seen and experienced. So the second thing about an open faith is that we just simply tell people what we have seen and what we have experienced. Sometimes like, well, what if they say this? And what if they say this? And I don't know what to say or I don't know how to answer their questions. And that might be so daunting that it paralyzes us. And so therefore we don't say anything. So here's what I, here's what I don't want to happen. Imagine at work. Just imagine for a moment, the place that you work, somebody comes running in and kicks the door open and they are beyond excited. And they tell you, you are not going to believe what happened to me this weekend. I have been really struggling in life. I've been overwhelmed by life. There's sicknesses, there's death, there's just, I'm just really confused on the purpose of life. And this weekend, somebody shared with me about a relationship with Jesus, and I just couldn't wait to come in and tell you all about it. Imagine if you came up to them and said, that's fantastic, I'm a Christian too. And imagine they said, well, why didn't you tell me? Would it not be more beautiful to sit there at the thought that many people are coming to faith in Christ, more people are coming to faith in Christ in their neighborhood, in cubicle, than even right here? Because we have been sent out with an open faith, armed with the power of the Most High to speak truth. I think one of the greatest things is give them a chance to talk when we live with an open faith. Give them a chance to talk, ask questions. Recently, I went to see my mother who fell walking and broke her femur and her wrist. So the last two and a half, three weeks, she's been really, really she was in the hospital for a couple of, uh, a couple of days, probably a week and I remember I went, to the, I went to see her. I was in Charlotte, and I went to see her. And I got on the elevator, and there were three ladies. And if you're in the hospital and you're on the elevator, you're not in a good situation. Somebody is sick, and somebody is hurting. And I saw this shirt that this lady had had on, and it was a Bible verse on it. And I said, you know, it's 7.50 in the morning, and it's a great way to start with a Bible verse. So I'm just grateful that I get on an elevator with you three ladies and we're going to start today with a Bible verse. And I said, we're obviously here, and things are not going well in our family. Somebody's sick. Somebody's hurt. And I said, I just also want to quote something to us. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I'm the God of all flesh. 
Is there anything too hard for me? He asked a question. Jeremiah, you've heard me share that verse. And I just want to say right now in this elevator that I don't think there's anything too hard for him. So whatever you're going through and whatever I'm going through, I think God's got it. Oh my goodness. The lady put her hands up and started dancing. (laughs) And spinning around in a circle. She said, I needed that today. I needed that today. When we live with an open faith, we just witness what we've seen. We're just a witness. He says, you will be my witnesses. It goes even deeper. The original word for that is like martyros. It's the Greek word for martyr, meaning you're going to share your faith in some places in the world, and you might lose your life for that. That was true of the disciples here. He said, I want you to be able to go and just testify to things you have seen. We don't know all there is to know about God, but we do what we do, do what we can do is testify to the things we have seen him do. And he's done a lot, Northwest. And I want you to fight to remember that as a part of you living your life with an open faith. So what's the third one? What's the third one? An open faith means, an open faith means we put our yes on the table and let God put it on the map. So he goes through here and he looks in verse 8 and he says, you will receive power, um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So we just testify to things we have seen him do. And then in there, where are you going to be witnesses? In Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so God is basically declaring all of this is mine. I'm sending you out. And so I want you to camp out there in your, your, your immediate area, your Jerusalem, your area. That's why we decided to stay here on this street. This is our, this is our home base. This is where we get our marching orders. This is where we are sent out to those cubicles and those streets and those neighborhoods. And we have an opportunity to do just that. And that's what he's telling us to do is I want you to understand that this is where I have you. I want you to go where I have planted you. A lot of us are sitting here, may ask the question, well, why do I live on this street or why do I live here? I will tell you this, God has placed you there. God has put you there. Make much of him right there. You're not there by accident. You are sovereignly positioned and placed for his glory and not our own. And that's why we're there. That, that's why we live where we live. That's why we, be, we, we talk to the people we talk to and we work with people that we work with and we work out with people that we work with. This is your area. And I also want to make sure that you understand that in the text it says to the end of the earth and I'm incredibly aware that there are people here in this congregation they don't want to be younger or students, that God may raise them up to send them to the far regions of the world. And I'm asking for us as a church to be ready and willing to send them to the world. For us to be ready to do that, because when we live with an open faith, we are a sending place to our neighborhoods, our Jerusalem, but to the ends of the world. People are begging and wanting to know who he is. 
And by God's grace, someone told us. And by God's grace and through God's power, might we tell others. That's our responsibility. That's why we live with an open and open faith. I, um, I, I, I want you to pray that God, would you use me? Because he's already placed, he's already put you on the map. He's placed you in this area. So that question's already been answered. The other question is, well then, God, are you allowing me to live with an open, an open faith because you've already placed me in the place that I live in and work in? That, that's the question that you really, that we have for today. So, so how are we going to apply the message? How are we going to sit back and say, okay, how do I live this out? How can I just, how can I live, live this out? What do I do? I've, I've, we've got an open Bible. We have an open life and an open faith. And in all honesty, I love the sequential order of that. Because when we open the Bible, we keep seeing all the things that God has done. We see his power. We see his power demonstrated, and then we also see his power given to us. And then he says, okay, now I want you to live with an open life, open faith, Northwest. That's what I want. I want that to be a value of who you are. I want that to mark you. How are we going to apply it? Well, it's great that you're asking that question, because next week at the Shades house, they're the only people here that were able to walk to church this morning. You came around the roundabout? Oh, I'm sorry. Kevin, I apologize. Uh, you might have run. Anyway, um, the shades live. There is a sign up. There's limited space. We can do these. Things. We want to be able to help you have gospel conversations. We recognize this is a daunting thing. And we want to be able to equip and we want to be able to help you. And so I really want you to go into the, the Church Center app. I want you to find out where it says Gospel Conversations Workshop. And I want you to, to, to click on that and sign up for it. It's going to be after church next uh, Sunday, the 21st. That's one of the ways that we're going to be able to help us have gospel conversations with, with other people. It's daunting. I realize it. But I need you to know something as one of your pastors this is not the great commandment. It's not the great suggestion. And it does not ask you to do this if you were only an extrovert. This verse is not talking about whether you're gifted as the evangelist. See, let's say there's the evangelist. That's where our gifting is. Evangelism is a command. Open faith is a command. For all of us. And we want to be disciples who are making disciples. And in order to sit down and help someone grow in their faith. May God use us to introduce him for the first time. So that's how we apply this message. But how are we going to apply the last eight weeks? How are we going to have action to the statement. We are disciples. We are a family of disciples making disciples. How are we going to live that out? And how is that going to be possible? How are we just going to have it just, how can it be more than just words? I have a statement for you. Here, here it is. Deep work over time 
in community. Deep work over time in community. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But it is. You know, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for your salvation. It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. But the Bible talks to us about work out your salvation. So it is deep work over a long period of time. And don't miss the last part. In community. Never meant to do this alone. I mean, it was the joy of my life to get a phone call by this fictitious person, AJ, on Wednesday, who said, I got our friend on the phone. I'm doing a three-way call, and we just got to keep talking to him. I'm in Cary, North Carolina, <laughs> and I'm sitting in my bed, and AJ is in Texas on business, and this guy is wherever he lives, I think, in Cary or Durham, and we're just fighting for him to believe in the one who makes all the difference in the world. There is no one that has done or will do what Jesus can do. There is a God-sized hole in all of our hearts that can only be filled by Jesus. And the issue is we need to stop filling it with something other than him. And live our lives with an open faith and testify to the things that we have seen and done. When they told him to stop preaching Jesus in Acts chapter four, he said, whether it's right to obey men, you be the judge. All we can do is testify to the things we have seen and the things we have heard. And let me tell you something. He's done some great things. He's done some great things. He's done some great things in our community. He's done some great things in your life. He's done some great things in the world. Let's just brag on him and bring fame to his name. And let that be a mark of our lives. Open Bible, open life, in open faith, all for King Jesus and his glory. Amen? I love you guys. Let's pray. Worship team is, is somewhere. <laughs> They're gathering. Come on out. You guys come on out. I am going to, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray as they get their way going. And so I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. And um, may we live lives, may we live as a family of disciples making disciples. May we learn to trust, love, and obey Jesus and help other people do that. And may our Bibles be open, our lives be open, and our faith be open for his glory. I love you guys. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for the privilege it is to open up the word of God and to talk about you and to brag on you. And Lord, we are here today because of you and no one else. This is for you. This is because of you. And you deserve it all. So Lord, we're going to sing about you here in just a minute. May you be honored in this song. May today, may you inspire us to learn how to witness, to testify to the things we have seen and heard. May we not be ashamed of you. 
Bless our training next week at the Shades House. And bless us this week. And God, I'm well aware that this week, it is very possible that you could bring us face to face with someone who needs to be encouraged or challenged. In the name of Jesus, may you help us to be ready to do just that. I love you. I thank you for these people. Thank you that we can do life together. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.